It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your good podcast from. On this Sunday morning as our weekend continues, it is July the 23rd and coming up we have seven days of real estate. We look back on some of the talking points, some of the guests that we've had, including speaking on Monday to Eliza Owen. This was kind of part two of the conversation about their monthly housing chart pack, and this is providing insights into the residential property market. We also spoke to Asti Mariasmo. Well, we tried to, and then we sort of lost the Wi-Fi, didn't we, on Tuesday, and then Mario Volpe from Dubai talked about the luxury market, but we are going to also be catching up with Asti this coming Monday, and let's hope our Wi-Fi connection is a a little bit better. We also spoke this week to Varsha Daswani, the principal from SAI Real Estate Group, and we were sort of concentrating on this area on the Sunshine Coast. It's a bit of a pocket. It's a hot spot called Moffat Beach. Also this week, uh, we spoke with Matthew Hughes, the founder and managing director, of course, of Capital Property Advisory in Perth. Just so many talking points in Perth at the moment. And we spoke to Matthew about the stock levels, which are low, but the construction costs are are starting to soften. So that is some great news for Perth. And we also spoke with Anthony Landau, the Managing Director of Equilibria Finance, about the property affordability, which now encompasses both home buyers and rental availability. So that is all coming up with our seven-day reflection as we look back over the last seven days. Always plenty to talk Talk about. Each week, we bring you in-depth real estate discussions, including inspiring stories from homeowners, knowledgeable real estate professionals and economists. Whether you're a buyer, seller, or just a real estate enthusiast, we are your ultimate property podcast. Let's fuel your passion for property together. Join us along with our industry experts to help inspire and inform your next real estate decision. When it does come to these types of reports, there is a lot of focus and attention on the median days on market. Many people get very fixated on these numbers, but it doesn't always tell the full picture of what is going on. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, I think so. You know, we saw median days on market through the three months to June were up slightly on the three months to May. And I think part of that could be seasonality. Another part of it is that if the market is heating up, we might actually start to see properties sell that have been on the market for a relatively long time. So technically that could inflate the days on market measure and you don't really see the reduction in days on market until we're well into the upswing. I think overall, these numbers are pointing to better selling conditions, particularly when you couple days on market with say vendor discounting. And I think we we will probably start to see a further reduction in that number over subsequent reporting periods. 
And what about the new property listings in the four weeks to July the 2nd? What did that tell you in your report? Yeah, so this was really interesting and it's something we've been reporting on a little bit lately is the fact that new listings at about 32,600 properties advertised in the past four weeks, they were a little bit higher than what we'd seen in the previous reporting period. And that's pretty unusual for this time of year. We're coming into winter, so new listings should actually be trending lower. So that's a trend that we're keeping an eye on and really asking ourselves in the context of rising mortgage rates, why are more people starting to sell when we would usually be seeing a seasonal winter slowdown? Overall, total listings are still very low, um, but that's certainly a curious trend we'll be keeping an eye on. Yeah, so just talk to that a little bit. The total listings for the same period, I think that came out to just a squeak under 131,000, trending lower than the previous five-year average. That's right. So at 131,000, total listings are still about 30% lower than where we would usually see them this time of year. So if new listings are rising, but total listings are falling, that basically means that for every new listing added to the market, there's more than one sale happening. So it means if you do feel motivated to sell at the moment or you need to sell for whatever reason, at least you're selling into a pretty strong market where those new listings are being very strongly absorbed. If you're serious about real estate, we're serious about delivering the most comprehensive property information every week. They really are. And I think, to be honest with you, there's a few reasons or components as to why. You know, in a place like Mosman, you really can't beat the quality of the homes there and also the views that you're getting off Sydney. And that's always been Mosman's selling point in terms of the type of real estate that you do get in the area. But it also does speak to the demand and supply in terms of actual standalone detached dwelling and how dwindling it is, regardless of the price bracket and how um, there is actually still demand for these types of properties. Yeah, indeed. And so for July, how do you feel that the market is going right at the moment? I think at the moment, the market is um, enjoying a little bit of a break. From the cash rate hikes, we are definitely seeing more people coming back to your um, auctions and also to your buying sort of patterns and going to home inspections. Um, A lot of people are going to their banks and asking them, how long do you think the cash rate hold is going to be? Um, Am I in a better position to buy now? Oh, are you there, Asti? No? Boy, that looks like we have lost Asti. Well, it's a good thing that we also have Mario Volpe with us. Now, you might remember Mario. We have spoken to him a couple of times. He's a real estate professional and he is working in the Dubai property market. And he joins us this morning. I hope that he's there. Are you there, Mario? I am. Unlike Hursty, I am definitely alive and kicking. Yes, Asti just sort of dropped off the map there. And, you know, podcasts are only as good as the internet connections. I'd have to say I would hate to be doing this back in the old days where you had the old dial-up modem because it was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) 
There, there it is. You'd remember this, Mario. Yes, I do. <laughs> You'd That's have to hilarious. wait for it. <laughs> Nearly there. And, you know, the thing was, back then, we thought that that was genius. Well, Craig, I, I don't mind telling you. I mean, I started in, in 1984 in my career in real estate, and we, we didn't even have mobile phones in the UK. So, you know, to actually conduct business was done very, very on a wing and a prayer. We would go on viewings and then come back and say, oh, the person didn't turn up. And they say, oh, yeah, they called to say they weren't going to come. But, of course, by then, nobody would let me know. They didn't have mobile phones. I think pages were just around there, but I didn't have any. So we did business in a very, very different way. Oh, yeah, for sure. We don't want to go back to those days. But when you drop your internet connection, you have nothing. So, Asti, we will get to you, but it probably won't be this morning. Now, Mario, we're going to be talking in just a moment about the 10 million plus property market in Dubai. This is really starting to take off, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, Dubai continues to attract the wealthy here because luxury home sales with a value of more than $10 million uh, crossed the $3.1 billion mark in the first half of 2023 alone. Now, this represents approximately 176 homes sold to this value, which is 79% of what Dubai did in the total of 2022. So we're well on our way of beating last year's total of 219 units sold with still another sort of uh, six odd months to go. From interest rates rising, a shifting landscape, rentals running hot, clearance rates, a tight rental market, we cover it all every morning from 6am on The Real Estate Breakfast. So let's uh, move on out of that space and let's have a look at Moffat Beach. Now, this is a location, as we mentioned at the top, it's an area that you specialise in. This area really has been developed. It's taking off. People are really starting to hear more about Moffat Beach. Just because of the lifestyle in itself, a lot of people are understanding that Moffat Beach is like close to everything, close to the beach. It's like literally right there. The beach is right there. The lifestyle is quite, you know, relaxing and um, people are really lovely there. So people are wanting to move to Moffat Beach just because of the lifestyle and people clock off at three o'clock in the afternoon in, in Moffat Beach. So it's quite different compared to Brisbane. So Brisbane is like we are quite structured. We are to five and we you know it's a very go 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 and it's a metro city whereas in Moffat Beach it's quite relaxed and chilled. I think the point to really make here is that people have heard of Kings Beach and Dickey Beach but those two locations they're carrying a much heftier price ticket aren't they in terms of dollar value you are going to get a lot more bang for your dollar in Moffat Beach is that fair to say? Yeah, it is definitely fair to say that uh, just because of the competition and you get a different kind of a product when you're looking in Kings Beach, whereas in Moffat Beach, you're still looking at houses, whereas in Kings Beach and Dickies Beach, you see a lot of units there. From investment strategies to market analysis. Know your property with us on The Real Estate Podcast. Yeah, look, it's it's obviously at chronically low levels and historically low levels at the moment. It dropped again from last week. Not a huge drop, but still trending downwards. We're sitting at just uh, over 5,000 properties on market. 
Um, but we are starting to see some positive trends, um, specifically in vacant land sales. They've increased of late. So that shows that perhaps there's an appetite returning for people to um, start building homes again. However, as you know, that's a leading indicator like building approvals. It's a very early leading indicator. So it's going to take some time to see any real positive impact on the market in terms of stock levels from that activity that we're seeing currently. We're also seeing significantly lower rates of uh, increases on construction costs, both nationally and especially in WA. So that's a really positive sign that might be contributing to that returning appetite for construction, where people are seeing that there's a little bit more value in actually pursuing a, a home build as opposed to buying something established. And this lack of stock in the market is a double-edged sword for somebody like yourself because not only are you looking for investors, but you are also a property developer. And as a project manager with Capital Property Advisory, perhaps uh, give us an overview of the current construction landscape for residential property developers. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, we are seeing some positive signs statistically in terms of the uh, the construction costs. Uh, but when I say that, we're talking about a softening of certain um, prices of certain key construction inputs. So, for example, bricks have dropped in price from over well over three dollars to about a dollar eighty. So that's obviously one of the earlier trades, and and demand has softened for those earlier trades like concreters and bricklayers. So we're seeing some positivity there. Um, statistically, according to CoreLogic, um, some recent stats that they put out just suggested that the, the cost to build a typical new home had increased by only 0.7% in the June quarter. Uh, that's the lowest rate that we've seen since September 2020, and that's well below the decade-long average. So that's a really positive sign that things are trending in the right direction. And surprisingly, WA was actually the lowest uh, increase nationally uh, at only 0.5%, so annualised at 2% increase. So those numbers were off the charts historically just recently over the last few years and now they're really starting to trend in a more positive direction. And just sticking with that positivity because there is a bit of good news being reported with that construction cost increases starting to soften which we hope is going to morph into a larger softening as the months roll on. So what does that mean do you think for let's say developers right now and the larger property market? Look, for developers, it's a it's quite a unique scenario where demand is far outstripping supply, which is normally what we look for as as developers, but supply is not materialising because of all the issues that we've had in the construction space. So typically, when we have demand far out exceeding supply, developers rush in to create more supply because there's profit there, uh, but that hasn't been the case um, due to uh, development and construction costs being very high, timeframes being very long. You couple that with increases on interest rates and the risk element as well, and not many sites are feasible to develop at the moment. So you see, we have seen developers sitting on their hands for some time, but also from our boots on the ground perspective, we are starting to see a little bit more appetite for development sites that we've been looking at. Um, we have seen a little bit more activity from, from smaller developers and infill developers here in Perth. Remember to follow us on any of the podcast platforms so you never miss a real estate podcast. You can follow us on Apple, Spotify and Amazon. Know your property with us. Yeah, the problem is very fragmented. Wherever you look, you've got issues with the private rental system where renters are facing affordability. Uh, they're facing issues around, they're saying things. Renters might only get short-term six to 12-month leases. They're not getting that security. They're having issues around the maintenance. Then you've got the conflict with the landlords not getting their investor returns, having cash flow issues at the moment, having issues with affordability. 
So you've got the fundamental issues around the current market, and then you've got the fundamental issues around creating more supply. And a lot of these projects are the build-to-rent projects, the government investment. A lot of these projects are longer term. They're not meeting the needs of today, where I've read some recent data that we're looking at a shortage of up to a million houses in the coming years. Some of the programs at the moment are talking about creating 10,000 houses, 15,000 houses, five or 10 years on the horizon. So the problem is becoming more of a difficult problem to really fix. And we're just sort of adding fuel to the fire too, aren't we, in terms of migration at the moment? So many people coming to the promised land of Australia. Yeah, I think we've got to look realistically at that, taking the politics out of that fundamentally, it's not a good time for our housing market to be bringing in up to 400,000 migrants over the next 12 to 18 months who are going to be competing for those rental properties, who are potentially going to be competing for those houses to purchase with current Australians and current Australian families who are struggling to either find a place to live in as a renter or to afford a place to purchase. So politics aside, and, and the need for some of those resources, from a housing perspective, it's not good timing. You know, the problem with that comment, Anthony, is you're talking too much common sense, and that doesn't go with politics. Yeah, I know. They often don't mix, do they? Politics and common sense. It's just not good timing, bottom line. Now, Longview recently released three housing affordability white papers which aimed to understand, well, try to understand the root causes and propose solutions. Now, perhaps if you can share with our listeners any key insights from these papers that have contributed to the ongoing conversation. Yeah, there was some work done by Longview in coordination with PEXA as well. Obviously, they both got an interest in the housing market and there was some interesting data in there. And one of the main areas that they were really focusing on was separating what the issues were around your current issues with renters and landlords, but then how do you solve this broader supply issue? I guess some of the ideas that they were talking about were outside the current framework around the build to rent schemes that are in place, some of the government schemes that aren't really keeping up with demands. They were really starting to rethink maybe how some of the larger institutions or the managed funds can help this problem where rather than you having individual investors, for example, who have their own individual needs, who arguably can add to some of the fragmentation in the market, you have the institutional ownership who are effectively owning the properties on behalf of some of the individual investors. So it gives tenants longer term solutions, but it also means landlords can buy and sell within a broader managed fund or broader property pool that gives the landlords as well some of the longer term capital growth and yields. So it brings more stability to the market where you've got the managed funds or institutional ownerships of some of these housing um, estates or some of the houses, quite common in North America and some areas like that. So it's like a bought to rent program as distinct from build to rent, where it's institutionally owned a lot of these properties, but private investors can still buy and sell within that managed fund. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 